There it is. Mm-hmm. We did it. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> everybody knows that we have special guests every week. And I always say, this guest this time might be the most special. Aww. But wow. this time, I think I, I think that. I might mean it. Aww. Oh, I think I might mean it this time. Now, and, and, and just to just to support my own <laughs> lunacy, everybody is when they're here. This moment is the most special. Oh, so there is some reality to it. But our friend Danvi Fam is here, and I am fucking super stoked. Yeah. Aww, hey, buddy. Hi. What an introduction. Yeah. Well, you deserve it. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've wanted you to come on the show pretty much since we started the show. I had you in mind for an episode. Um, you're one of the more interesting people I know. Uh, I've always really loved, uh, like, when we met, you You sort of gave me a, a, a lot of attention that made me sort of feel, like, special because you were so cool and, and, and smart and pretty, and I was like, why does this chick like me so much? And then I realized we were very similar souls, so. Aww, um, well, I have a particular soft spot for recluse hobbits. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. I don't you know do. why, she does, but trust I can me. always spot them out. She in shares the world, she shares a child with a reclusive hobbit. So yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to do a like a coffee table book on hobbits. Oh, but wow. they're like usually people you see walking around with like wait, the wait, weirdest wait. outfits. What is your definition of hobbit before we get too deep in this? It's like you, so it's old or young, but they just stand out. You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? They could be sitting at a bus stop. So it's nothing to do with height. No, nothing. Oh, okay, okay. Because I'm way taller than a hobbit, just for the record. Yeah. And they just have the weirdest outfit, the weirdest mindset, and they just like are offbeat. Yeah. They're very eccentric. I don't know. I can just tell. For the record, my outfits are not weird, but everything else accurate. Yeah. But you have an interesting. I, oh, I, I I'm a weirdo. You, I, know, I get yeah, it. Yeah, he's weird. I yeah, get it. Weird. <laughs> no, I know you mean though. Like the like a person that stands out. Like you know, you, from immediate interaction, mm-hmm. you can tell you're like, okay, this is. Versus like, hey, I'm Kyle. You're like, <laughs> Kyle Kyle disappoints me. Yeah, like yeah. an original. Yeah, Ky- an Kyle. original. Not yeah. that other people aren't. There's so many copies no, of you. I think you've <laughs> nailed it. I am way better than everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you have that you have that similar kind of vibe too. You're That's just it, well, just like different, artistic, and it just kind of stands out versus like I don't know, where we've all met, I've met other people there and it'll just be like I don't know. You can kind of get an idea of an artistic person that stands out versus somebody who's a little more mm, cookie cutter. I yeah. don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Co- yeah. the weirdo oh. club. Hey, I've been people have been telling me I was I'm weird from I can't remember like how early it started, and I've never taken it in a negative way, even if they've meant it that way. <clears throat> that's what Always. I tell my daughter all the time. Yeah. She's like, she called me weird. I'm like, that's a compliment, honey. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. That's that's that sentiment is is accurate. That would be my defense mechanism if I got like bu- ever bullied uh, a few times like in high school or maybe it was younger than high school, but so when they people would say something I was doing was weird or call me weird is usually cuz I like 8th grade there was a like 3 months where I always wore plaid suits <laughs> to school. Of course. Yeah, no, I figured I would that go to Goodwill good. and I would find plaid that's suits. Awesome. So I had like a big baggy blue plaid suit. Were you in theater? That, 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 yeah, that story would, checks yeah, out. I did theater all through school. But I w- and if, when someone would call me weird, the first thing I would go would be like, really? Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, did uh, you get that from your parents? Because I wish I had parents that told me stuff like that. No, I, I would just, I think I got it a lot from, yes, from my parents, but some from my uncle. Maybe because he was, he's very funny. He's an actor. And he's super comedic and very quick and i always i remember at a young age always wanting that or like Mm -hmm. like striving for that so when someone would make fun of me 
I would always, instead of like anger back, I would always turn it into like, I would make fun of them subtly, but like jokey and like quick. You know what I mean? Yeah, you you really learn early that when people do that to insult you, you can't give them what they're looking for. Yeah, they which want is, you to be yeah. like, let's fight. And then it's like, yeah. I'm not going to have, I like, dude, it's, I'm on my way to like English. I don't have yeah. time for like to fight someone. <laughs> it's also way more satisfying to be like, nice try, buddy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To have that yeah, no, because if yeah. I get them and, and then make everyone who was watching him make fun of me or whatever yeah. laughing, right. and they're and it's like clever, and maybe he doesn't get the joke. That's the best. In my mind, I'm like, oh, that would be the like I would make him feel so bad if all these people that were watching him be the alpha, like laugh at a joke he doesn't yeah. even understand or understand the punchline or get what I'm referring to. Yeah, you're like good that, one. So like I would always be like that would be my mindset. Like it makes right, sense. how can I make him like really pissed off for the next three periods of school now after after getting back at bullies um so we can get the audience a bit of context um danvi why the fuck are you here uh i'm here tell us about yourself okay well <laughs> start, start wherever you, I start start wherever you yeah. like and then backtrack and fit it however you want to sure, i mean yeah. what we talked about my interest in coming here is really talking about how i came from a very uptight prissy upbringing right and was repressed for a really long time all the way until age really 27 oh wow where i had the courage to really bolt free from my family and it's crazy to think what what do you mean 27 because mm-hmm. that's really yeah, that's where 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 did you grow up i was born in vietnam mm-hmm. but i had this very romeo and juliet epic <laughs> story of how i was born okay. what do you mean i don't think i know this story I never told you. I can't wait to hear it again. So my grandparents were very wealthy. My mom grew up in a uh, 32-bedroom mansion with butlers. Jesus Christ. And this is how you have come to be uh, able to eat at our family meals because my mom was the hated daughter of her nine brothers and sisters. Why? And I don't know. My grandma just didn't like her. And so she hung out with the maids and cooked. A lot. That's smart. Wow. That's and that's so how cool. she learned how to be a cook. And wow. She saved. Wow. She life. saved herself. Yeah. From that so craziness. So this story is strange. So she goes to a party one night, twenty-two years old, and meets my dad, total bachelor, Vietnam, <coughs> like regular guy, not wealthy at all. Right. Fall in love immediately, to the point where they have sex on their first night of meeting. Wow. <laughs> my Blown mom was mom a spot. <laughs> love it. My mom was a virgin, and Whoa. they made me during Whoa. this night. Her fir- on her first <laughs> yes. time having sex. That's right. You became wow. Wow. And so it was a big no-no. Uh, a lot of that makes sense. Yeah, this is a long time Especially ago. Especially the status. And my grandmother has this like fiery Queen Elizabeth meets vicious businesswoman attitude. Damn. So it was a no-no. Who also cooks with the maids? What a nice combo. Yeah. So my grandmother. Didn't allow them to marry, even though my dad's family begged for them to wed and make a proper woman out of my mom and all that. No. And because they had bought for my dad to not be in the military back then, because mm-hmm. it, it was their only son. Sure. Uh, they threatened my uh, they threatened my dad's parents with that. So he putting him in the military. Yeah. Right. Whoa. So he kind of backed off and felt really insulted by my grandmother. Sure. And so when my mom was six months pregnant, my dad retaliated and went and married somebody else while she was pregnant. Whoa. Retaliated Whoa. against the family by punishing you and your mom? Yeah. Jesus. A young, yeah, young, young boy. Sure. Yeah. 
So my mom still had me, was rebellious, you know, the Vietnam War, the fall, everything. Mm. And so my mom moved to Paris and my dad moved to Italy. He had left his second, uh, his first but second woman with the child mm-hmm. um, and moved to Italy. So we th- we were separated. I never met my dad. And Never to this day? No, no, no. Here, oh, okay. The story okay, okay. gets quirkier. We're in chapter one. I thought one. she said I never met one. my dad. And I was like, I didn't know you never met your dad. So we're in Paris. I'm living this life with this gentleman who I think is my father. Oh, wow. So how old are you at this point? Uh, two all the way to eight. Wow. So all the way to eight, you thought this other man was your Completely. father? Completely. And he was from Vietnam as well? Yes. Wow. But living in Paris. They met in Paris. Yeah, they met in Paris. Whoa, okay. So my mom owned a restaurant with him. The whole thing. We were like a happy family. You still speak French? A little bit. Un petit peu. Un petit peu. <laughs> <laughs> um, terribly, but yes. And so my mom's like, we're going on vacation, and we're going to see our grandparents for the first time since Vietnam. Whoa. They lived in San Francisco. Wow. So we go, and my parents set me up at a party. My mom. And her friends bring my real dad to this party. Whoa. Why? I, I, because my dad had never met me before. Oh, it was a good and he thing. Knew you, I mean, he knew you were born. He wanted to meet you. And so yeah. like he was in San Francisco? Yeah. I couldn't tell if someone was trying to blow up somebody's spot. So or... this party was for you to meet your... I mean, I think it was just my parents' friends. We were all friends with oh, each so other. set it up. Because yeah. your, your mom didn't want you to know... She did she want you to? I think she was always in love with my dad. They were always in love with each other. Oh wow, 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 wow. Okay. So we go to this party, uh huh, and they sat me down that night immediately. You're eight. I'm eight. Okay. Surprise! <laughs> this is your father. Oh, surprise! And that father you knew isn't your father. Whoa! And we're never going home ever again. What? And we bounce on the other guy. He didn't know. They didn't break up. He just all of a sudden his family <laughs> no, didn't come home. No, my mother. She's crazy. This woman. Vicious. Vicious. Whoa. Don't mess with an Asian woman. No. 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 Wouldn't do that. Whoa. Isn't that sad? That's insane. And till this day, I can't find him. My mom's really weird. She'll never tell me anything. So I don't. You couldn't know find him. Oh, you were trying no. to find. Oh, you're I feel so bad sweet. For yeah, the guy. you're so sweet. That would be such an, a, a while. Ugh. Like you going there now. I don't Can know if that would be good or bad. Break? What if you found out he was okay with it? I don't know though. No, I don't think you're ever okay with. Who's okay with that? You don't know the guy. Were they in love? I mean, he loved her. Yeah. So that's rough, man. I mean, your family goes on vacation and disappears like they got abducted. Technically, it wasn't really his family. I mean, yeah. I'm just saying, you don't fucking know. Okay. You do not know how this guy feels. Okay, I get it, but. I'll say this. Technically, sure, maybe he wasn't. Maybe he wasn't the real father, but. He was there during hard those hard times. That the Chances are you're right. You know? Ch- but you know me. I'm the two voice to, of dissent. I eight. have to throw these ideas in. Hold on. Ugh. Two to eight. <laughs> people these days will get a puppy and and say they'll die yeah, for it. People, day two. People. I know. Some people. But I don't know. If a guy loves a woman so much and she and, and they fled their country, you're, they're in Paris. He didn't flee with her. He, they met in Paris. I know. I'm saying the woman you <laughs> love fled from her country and she's now there with her daughter. And you and over the course of two to eight, you fall in love with this little girl. And uh, I get it's it. Like, I yeah, get it. But we are speculating because we really don't know how this guy feels. OK. Why didn't he find Danvi? Maybe he didn't want to bother us. Maybe he didn't, but we don't know is my point. Yes. That's all. Go on. And it's difficult, I, I mean, think. Of course it. it is. And my parents got married, and I lived with my real dad till I graduated college. Wow. Wow. And what did you study in college? What did What did the family that kind of push oh, you Lord. toward? 
Uh, I was one of those Asian tiger mom child, um, biology. <laughs> biology. <laughs> and then you went into that uh, for, for, for a business, for a profession. You were. Uh, well, no, I graduated with that and hated it the whole time, but didn't have enough guts oh to tell God. them. Wow. Because I, I went imagine. to USC. That, it's this a is, private this is school. Asian like, you're not going to tell your parents, hey, I'm blowing all this money for nothing because wow. I. Is this this is a lot in Asian culture, right? I mean, it's just so much. Still to this day, I feel like a lot of the kids just are so afraid to tell the parents that they don't like what the parents are expecting them to do. Like it's so. I feel like. I don't know if the parent has an idea of what their son or daughter should do for a career. Mm -hmm. If like that kid just. I don't know. The way that culture seems to me, a lot of my friends have always like, no, 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 I could never tell them I do this. Yeah. If they don't, if they're not doing that certain thing. Or I've heard stories where they're like, yeah, I didn't tell my father I was a comedian or doing this until I was 30, 32. Right. Which is, and still that, Bobby Lee is one of them actually. Oh, uh, right. Korean. His yeah. parents didn't accept that he wanted to do stand up. And even when he was, he did the, uh, he did the Tonight Show. With when uh, it was either Letterman or Car- not Carson, it no, was it was Leno. It was was it Leno? Tonight whatever show? show he did, it was either oh, okay. uh, Letterman or Leno. But he did it right. Yeah, National yeah, yeah. TV. He does his five minute spot, gets invited on the couch. It's great. Um, still, after the parents saw it, we're like, yeah, but it won't be a career. <laughs> He's like, guys, <laughs> that's so <laughs> like, that's so classic. That type of Asian you know parent. I mean? like, that's crazy. How far yeah. you 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 make it. And it's got to be so so hard for the person for him to be like I made it to the you know the Tonight Show and still the parents are like yeah but you know you need a job, <laughs> right? That's there's insane. so many layers to the Asian yeah I'm sure and there's different Asian and there's different a- a- types of of Asian um, heritage like what is Bobby Lee I don't even know he's Korean, Korean. he's Korean okay which is very different obviously yeah. Danby's Vietnamese yeah um God I mean they've all got to be different in Vietnam. so many ways it's a, you say Vietnam right. Vietnam, Vietnam, yeah. Vietnam. How do you say it? Vietnam. 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 Not Vietnam. It's Vietnam. <laughs> I'm right, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Hey, your accent, sure. your accent is spot good, on, yeah. dude. I just want to make sure that, I, that was correct because I know that that there's a thing where like a lot of people will. I mean, people say Vietnam, but technically yeah. that's not how you pronounce. I say Vietnam. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but crazy. I wasn't allowed to do anything creative growing up. Not even draw, paint, nothing. Oh. And oh my god, thinking about you. Because I know you well, so for some thinking about that for someone like not you being who's able so artistic, to fucking crayons. Oh no! Like I wasn't even allowed to get a B in school. I never had a B. Like it was like straight A's, or you get punished. And when I was eight, walking around in San Francisco, I this lady walked up to my mom and I and said, "You know, I think your daughter has the perfect body type to uh, enter this competition for what the San Francisco Ballet." Okay, and see if she could win. And I not knowing if you danced at all. I've never danced before. Okay. So you then just I had entered this built. thing, yeah, and I won, and I got Whoa. a lifetime scholarship. Whoa. And to I what? To, to the ballet. It's like it's as good as wait, wait. Ballet. How much time was there between the woman seeing you on the street and the competition? Uh, not much. Like a week, a year, like I don't remember. But so she close. did. She work with you. How old were you? Eight. So it was four untrained little yes, kids. Yes, they were yes, looking yes. for a, a, a perfect body for the, to train. Yes, there for the were lifetime. many people in this competition. Okay. Some yeah. who did train, some who were never done it before. Yes. And I won this, and I did it for three or four years. It was very rigorous. Yeah. And my mom was like, no, this is going to distract you from getting good grades. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Wow. That's awesome. 
Okay. Jesus Christ. I was only allowed to play piano, which I hated. Did she good. struggle with that with that question? Did she like for weeks go, I gotta make a decision? Or no. she's like, you know what? No, I, I don't I don't think they're you gotta, con- they're conscious of this. Right. It's, it's just a very part robotic of the, it's, it's, mentality. It's in it's rooted in the culture that it's oh just God. I mean, you know, you're in charge of your kids. So no no no, you're not doing 27, that. I was able to break free and I'm a pretty Strong yes, person. no. That story about you not crazy? being free until that point is knowing you is crazy. I was just so mm. brainwashed and so terrified of them, and being an only child. And my grandmother was so strong. So yeah, twenty. It's a very different. Yeah, it's I met it. Oh, so I did pharmaceutical sales after school. Believe it or not. Wow. <laughs> Where you made tons of cash. Yes, and then I got stuck there because you know playing you were, golf. You were in she a, played golf. golf. Of course, she did. You were in an office. That blows me away. No, actually, it's a quirky story. So I graduated school, and my parents wanted me to be a doctor, of course. Uh-huh. And I was like, "How am I gonna not do this?" Uh-huh. And so weirdly, for about a year and a half, I did uh, fashion design. I know it makes no sense how I got into that, but I had a friend, and then I applied. I drew something, and he's like, "Okay, hired." Aww. So I did that for a year and a half, and I'm like, I can't sit in a factory yeah. for the rest of my life. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm not doing this. So I powwowed with a friend. What can I do where I don't have to be trapped in an office? Mm-hmm. He's like, pharmaceutical sales. And this <laughs> was when it was hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it was booming, yeah. the business. Yeah. And I got hired. Wow. And then got stuck doing it for five years. Nothing <laughs> sounds less appealing to me than Pharmaceutical sales. The worst. Oh my God. The worst. Like I could never be a lawyer or a doctor or a cop or anything like those legit business. Jobs. I could. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. But pharmaceutical sales just sounds so terrible. To it me. was terrible. And then I went to eat one night and met an actor at a restaurant. Nice. And he just challenged my whole life. He became my boyfriend and my best friend. Nice. He's like you know what, your whole life is false. Like who are you? What is this? Right. And he's like, why don't you just quit everything, move with me to New York, wow. grow some guts, and I'm going to teach you how to bartend. Wow. And I did it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> From pharmaceutical sales to <laughs> fucking cocktails. It's crazy. This was, what? how old were you then? This was 2002, I think, around 27. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and then your whole new life began. And then I knew that was the correct See, decision. See, actors save the world, bro. Was it, Is this a known actor? This is some, mm, no, not okay. yet. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, we I, would, I, I was, I, yeah. story's so wild. I thought you were about to be like, so then me and Robert Downey Jr., we went to. <laughs> He's a smaller character actor. We would recognize him. Cool. Yes. But most people probably wouldn't. Cool. Well, maybe that's not true now, but and anyway. I don't tell those secrets anyways. No, no, it doesn't matter no. who it is. It doesn't matter who it is, but. No, it doesn't um, matter. Yeah. You can tell me off there. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's wild. Oh my gosh. So then oh, how long did you live in New York for? Only one year. Oh, wow. Okay, so then I that's I totally that's lied plenty. on my resume and got the job. <laughs> <laughs> what wow. did you say? Yeah, I totally bartended before. Like, cool, come on in. I did, and I don't even drink. You know this. I yeah. didn't even know what Jack Daniels was. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. <laughs> and my boyfriend was really gutsy. He's like, why don't I just sit at the bar every night, and if you get stuck, I'll tell you how to make it. <laughs> we did that for about a week or two, and I just learned how to bartend. That's wow. insane. He sat at the bar. Mm-hmm. And you just go, oh yeah, rum and coke. Uh, what's rum and coke? <laughs> <laughs> yep. What a what a gentleman. It's rum and coke. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, very quirky pirate like story. I love yeah, it. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So then you bartended for a year. Yeah, but before that, let me tell you where it leads to this next phase in my life. Very interesting. So a month or two before we go, I'm driving to the Grand Canyon with this gentleman, and literally 15 minutes before this happens. We both didn't have our seatbelt on. 
And I looked at him like, let's put our seatbelt on. Because we're driving in the off-road, Grand mm-hmm. Canyon, gravel, Sketchy. Jeep Cherokee. Sure. Yeah. And literally, he stepped on the brake too fast, and the car locked and flipped in the air literally four times and fell down. A ravine? Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. I have pictures of this. You put you you had put the belt on fifteen minutes already prior to oh it. Oh my yeah. god! And you know in movies where everything goes in slow motion. Yes. Yeah. I experienced that, mm-hmm. yeah, and literally sure. I did my Buddhist chant that my mom had taught me. I knew I was gonna die. Like that was sure. it. It's over. Game over. Game over. And for some reason, we landed upside down with the windshield literally an inch from our face. Uh, like a bloody toe, and I had to hitchhike to wherever to get safe. Nothing happened to us. Oh my god! Wow. And for some reason, I knew that was the beginning of being awakened. You got a uh, a fresh start. Yeah. Wow. But I wasn't. I was an atheist before, <laughs> <laughs> okay. and that was like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this this made you believe in something. Something I, I'm not religious, but I do believe in some something kind of bigger. Than but this. what is something to you? I think it's like a universal source, a higher source, which we're all connected to, mm-hmm. which I'm a part of, and I'm that source. I'm in control of that source. And that source chose, or you, part of that source, chose to be left unscathed in that otherwise deadly crash. For some reason, because I became present and was... There asking, I felt it allowed me to stay. Nice. And that would have been why do you think why do you think you universe together chose to leave you without a scratch? Like why not some broken bones in the hospital, some stitches where you're still okay? But like why do you think you're like I'm just gonna get out of this scot free? I Actually, think a maybe it wanted call. me to really believe in miracles. Yeah. Yeah. So that would to you that's a it was a miracle. I've had many more since then. Okay. I mean. Putting your belt on and then the car flipping four times and walk, just walking away, it sounds like a miracle. That sounds crazy. I just struggle with that term. Um, I think that's something that happens in life. Whether it's a miracle or not, that's fine. We can judge it how we want to. I don't know if I have a definition for a miracle, but go on. I, I, maybe I wouldn't call it miracle. Like some kind of gratitude that something supernatural or something that miraculous happened mm-hmm. that really saved you i look right. at it like you 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 that happening a hundred times in a row a jeep being flipped four times with two people in it yeah. and then calculating how many times out of the hundred <laughs> that that someone died yeah. and how many times out of that yeah did both of them get up and walk away scot-free and that's where i'm like well i mean it was almost a symbol of like every hey, day you wasted your i mean not, i wouldn't say waste but right you know, 27 years of being shut down, like, do something with it right. now that you're awake. I'm keeping you here. I definitely never want to minimize anybody's experience to that degree. Of course, you could have, yeah. you, you were very likely, you know, could have died easily. Um, but every day, there are car crashes, and every day, people die and people don't. Mm-hmm. Every day, people are maimed in small crashes, and someone walks away unscathed. Are they all, are they all miracles, and the ones that died aren't? I don't know. I just, again, the dissenting voice, I want to throw that out there. Go on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not trying to derail. No, no, and yeah, so I became a bartender, and then I grew an interest in acting because of the boyfriend. I've always secretly loved films. I mean, mm. when I'm watching, why is that great, a secret? I, okay, because of my past life, right? You know, like Your I parents wasn't really allowed you watch- to watch movies, and this person kind of introduced me to all these great films. I'm like, wow, this is so amazing. 
What did your parents let you watch? Is there anything they let um, you watch as a Terrible, kid? like, Hong Kong Chinese, like, soap operas. <laughs> oh, my. Really? Of all the shit out there. That's so funny. Of all the Weirdly, shit out there. Weirdly, I learned how to be very street smart watching these things, Ooh. but that was it. Yeah, hey, here you go. Maybe who, who knows? Maybe that <laughs> saved you. Um, I Actually, funny you say that you're like a big of an actor. You know how people say, you should live in California for a, uh, L.A. for a year. You should live in New York for a year. You should wait tables for a year. I think everyone should be an actor for a year. <laughs> Oh, I think it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, even though I never actually became a successful a lot of money one. On therapy. Because I think it just be- makes you very emotionally aware. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be the mother or the girlfriend or the friend I am today if I didn't study acting for eight years. Yeah. Wow. And if I didn't enter acting, I wouldn't have like, su- like released all the suppression. It, it, honestly, uh, what other job can you, you know, there's probably a handful that you can reference, but your job is to understand yourself emotionally as, as well as you can and then do that and manipulate that, your emotional state, in public. Mm. It's a crazy fucking description for a job. But if you want to be good, it's probably one reason why I never made it, um, you have to want to delve into that to that degree. Whether it's the character or yourself or both, you need to have that healthy connection to yeah. that the, those elements or you're not really doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm. We, we mentioned uh, on another episode... Uh, Meisner's um, definition of acting, living truthfully under the given imaginary circumstances. You're not really acting. You're living truthfully. Mm-hmm. The circumstances are fake, but you're not. That, in my opinion, there's different kinds of actors. Again, gifted faker. Um, living truthfully under those given imaginary circumstances is, there's no truer way to describe the art form. Mm-hmm. If you want solid uh, quality work. Yeah. So you study acting for eight years. Yes. Um, uh, how long did you stay with this particular guy? Uh, uh, Only a year. Okay, so then you moved on. You moved to L.A., right? I met somebody else in New York. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. Um, I have always had really weird, quirky situations with boyfriends, so I met this other person at the bar I worked at, and then I came home and s- told my boyfriend, hey, I really think I met someone I'm supposed to be with. Can I go on a date with him? Whoa. And w- I've, you know, we get along really well. He's like, sure, I trust you. Go ahead. So we go on a date, and I was like, I need to move with this person back to California. So my boyfriend at the time moved into my new boyfriend's apartment, and the new boyfriend and I moved He got the apartment out of the deal? Yeah, he did. Hilarious. And they've actually become really great friends. Wow. She has a lot of that. You'll see. You'll see. Yeah, quirky. Yeah, healthy, healthy, healthy breakups and friendships. You've sort of redefined uh, that because most people would not understand that at all. Um, so he gets an apartment. You get a new boyfriend, new life. You move to L.A. Yes, and then I start studying with Arthur Mendoza. He's the stellar Adler teacher, mm-hmm. and just really dived into it. Go on. <laughs> and so you want to hear miracle number two? Yeah, yeah. that's why we're here yeah. for miracles. Okay, so this miracle is. It's kind of, I think, a trauma story, but also a dark period. But I think in that dark period, I found myself. So with this new boyfriend, we had kind of a fiery, like crazy relationship. Mm -hmm. We were each other's like dark mirrors. Oh, wow. So my eye started closing one of them. I remember this. Uh, The muscle on the lid. Uh-huh. And so I went to the head USC eye doctor. He's like, okay, maybe when you were small, you got hit by a tennis ball, your muscle's weak, we're going to fix it. So he lifts the muscle tension, and op- it opens. Lifts the muscle? What do you mean? Like, uh, does surgery on the lid, and it He does, lifts. so jumps right to surgery. Yes, got right it. to surgery. That's important. Because I was living with, like, a half-shut eye for four oh, months. Wow. It was really weird. Right. Uh, and 
I think it was perfect because I think I was being very superficial at this phase of my life. Mm-hmm. I just was not being true. And so that was reflecting like you need to go inward, you need to be a deeper person, more humility. Mm-hmm. It just like it was a really good kick in the booty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. And so then 4 months later the other eye started closing. Oh, oh God. my God. How weird is that? Was the first one fixed? He did surgery fixed. was fixed. Okay. So I go back to him and I don't know how this Western medicine doctor was able to say this. He's like, I'm not doing it to the other one. I think you're somehow moving emotions in different parts of your body and holding all the tension in your eye. Whoa. Isn't that really you wise lu- you thing got lucky. to say? I got lucky. You got lucky. He's like, I want you to go home and take yoga and acupuncture and try to heal yourself. This is a guy at energy. USC. Yeah. After oh, he, after man. he, Dr. Alfredo Sodun, like after, genius. After Alfredo. already going straight to surgery from the first problem. Yep. Okay. That's he even more interesting. Just made more money off me, and yeah, yeah, yeah. he didn't. Yeah. Wow. And at the same time, the Golden Bridge Yoga Kundalini just opened down the street. So I was like, okay, this is a sign. Mm-hmm. So I went there, and as I was doing yoga acupuncture, I started seeing the eye opened. Wow. There you go. And then I learned, this is very interesting. So think of a bottle that's been totally the lids on. You're like blowing up of all this emotion, feelings that need to be released. And all of a sudden you start acting. Oh boy. You undo the top. Mm-hmm. It flows out, right? Mm-hmm. right? So it doesn't know how to release. It's like moving in different portions of right. your body and you hold the tension because you're scared. It's never done you're it before. You're like, what is this? Mm-hmm. So it moves to the eye. It makes total sense. Mm-hmm. It does. And so when I was doing yoga and all that stuff, I knew how to release it, and I saw myself heal it. Right. And I understood my body. I could feel the movements. And this was the beginning to all this holistic stuff that I'm really passionate about. There it is. Wow. You can heal yourself, everybody. In, in, in many cases. In many cases. In many yeah. cases. You need to get on the yoga train. Really, yeah. Well, a lot of our emotional um, baggage is manifested in physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you know this woman, Louise Hayes. She writes yes. these great books, Heal mm-hmm. Your Body, I do Heal not. Yourself. You do not? Okay, no, well, no. So you can look up like migraine if you get migraines. Mm-hmm. It's because you indulge in self-abuse a lot, like uh, negative Oh, wow, like internal yourself. self-abuse. Got it. Yeah. Or could it be physical too? Like could it be both? Uh, yeah, it could be both. Yeah. But it's most Louise ail- Hayes. ailments stem from an emotional, something you're not dealing sure. with. Like, let's say you uh, have a UTI. A lot of women get UTIs, and they're mm-hmm. like, think it's U- UTI. It's really not. They're actually angry at their mate. Mm. In every case? Not every case. Okay. Not, but, but that's common. Th- there's an emotional pinpoint to that. So so there, uh, in many UTI situations, um, the woman is having some kind of anger issue or um, a fear. Like a lot of the gut area other. is fear related. Yeah. 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 No, the gut thing, that's, yeah, that's a pretty, and you said Louise Hayes? Yeah. Okay, Louise Hayes. I'll check that out. Um, so now you're acting. How deep into the acting profession did you get? I got really into it. Um, <laughs> Were you getting work? Were you in the union? I was a SAG member. I got great auditions. Bad auditions. I mean, the whole thing. Right, it's right, like right. A, it's a game. I think we all know this. Right. Everything with the Me Too movement that got uncovered. I've experienced every form of it. Right. <laughs> I've hung out with it. I've you know, but it's just, it just wasn't my thing. Have you ever? And without obviously, I'm not asking for names, of course. But were you ever friends or lovers, whatever, any kind of relationship with 
any of those people who were accused of those um, crimes that spawned the Me Too movement? I have been to dinner parties and in spaces with mm-hmm. the clan. The what? The clan. What is that? The mean? Hollywood clan. Yeah, just the, the boys clan club. Of people. The a boys group. club. Is that okay? I didn't know it was called the clan. Well, the clan is just a term for a group of. You know, it's a private club of. Yeah, private club. I didn't like know which Ku clan Klux you were talking clan. about. I didn't know you meant all of Hollywood. Not all of Hollywood. When you said you the know. clan, I thought you were being specific about us group of people that I wasn't familiar like with. Like the gatekeepers. The group of people you the just gatekeepers. said. The group of, like you said, have you ever been at dinner parties with those groups of people that got called out? Like the names that we're thinking of, like the, the So the up. clan of people who've been accused. Yeah. Not all of that's them, That's what but, you're you talking know, in, about. In, okay. in those years, I've, you know. Yeah. And I'm sure some are legit, some aren't. I'm just curious. I, I'm not pinpointing anyone. I'm just saying the culture of that does exist. Right. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. Oh, yeah. And there's great people as well. So I don't want to minimize by saying there isn't like amazing no. actors. And but there's also, people. and this is a part of, the, of this equation that most people don't want to talk about. And I'm, I'm speaking from, from outside the bubble. I really haven't experienced any of those things. Um, I've never had enough power to try to use it to get women to do what I want. And I generally don't hit on women like I feel like I know chemistry is there or it's not. As soon as I start trying to hit on you, I feel like I'm creating something that doesn't exist. Either connect with someone or you don't. So I really don't go around, who oh, you like to go out with me? I just don't. Um, so I'm speaking from definitely a, a, a space outside of, of that world. So I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just curious. Well, it's never that obvious. You well, know, what it's I'm not get- like, come to my room. You know, no, it's, no, no, no. It's all like, let's have dinner. Subtle. Here's some drinks. There's subtleties to it. Sure. But what I want to say is something I don't think people like to say, which is, there is crossover. There is there are people who who attempt to um, use you or manipulate you for their own personal sexual needs, um, and and uh, really people in in terrible situations and sometimes rape and it's terrible. But there's also this other side of the female power. I was gonna get to that. Yeah, I, I want to say that the Me Too is not one sided. It's I not. Really no. don't. I've seen there's, I've seen both sides play the game where they use their sexuality to get what they want, and it's not. Everyone, but there's this weird crossover where where some blame goes on both sides. It's a touchy subject. People don't want to talk about it, and I don't have any personal experience. I just know that every situation is never one sided. There's always moving parts that make it like if you want the truth, you got to examine those parts. I'm not saying that every female participated in this, but I'm saying saying every female definitely knows if they were an actress or are that this is was one part of the element of playing the game. Mm Mm-hmm. It's that true. It's that just true. There is yeah. really not true. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> I it's know. so it's so sad. But it happens in life too, you know, in corporate jobs, anything, you anything, know, anything, anything. And women, women's sexual power is there's nothing like it. The and power you guys yeah. hold. Mo- I mean, not there's lots of people with different sexual um, definitions, but as far as heterosexual women to heterosexual men. Those men are often fish in a barrel. Like we, you know exactly what they fucking want, and because they're not complicated, unless it, you know, in certain situations it is. Um, and how many? How I mean, it's such a complicated realm. I, I don't. I. I. I even. Part of me doesn't even want to get into it. Well, I don't think a woman should deny her sexual powers because I think your femininity is your, it's your grace. But I think that you have to do it in a very conscious and mindful way. There's a. a fine line between manipulation and playfulness. Right. 
And I think that's where you have to find that line. And there are times where it can ethics that works for you. And there are times where it can be okay, and then it delves into the part that it's not. Like it's it's not a simple equation where this is bad, this is good. Like it gets really fucking messy. And then another thing people don't want to ever fucking mention is drugs and alcohol. Yeah. How much of a factor is alcohol with these situations? They're like, this guy did this, she did that, blah blah blah, and no one ever says, were you guys drinking? Yeah, oh, people make great decisions when they're fucking wasted. It's not an excuse, no. but it's an element yeah. to the equation people in Hollywood just don't want to ignore. You can't ignore alcohol. It's a fucking poison that makes you not yourself from one minute to the next. It is dangerous. Yeah. I mean, and I love the whole journey to become an actor and the industry and making films, you know, the good parts of it. Sure. But I think at a certain point when I got a little older in my 30s and had my daughter, I was just over it. Yeah, It's easy to get over Hollywood. It's a scary world. It really is. And I really realized for me that it was because I was working with my teacher, my mentor, and I realized that the whole symbol of me wanting to be an actress was to be chosen by my daddy. Oof. So this is where sure. the emotional, spiritual tie is for me. I realized that Hollywood was a symbol of daddy because it's true. All daddies own Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. If daddy picks you, you're in. There's so like a that's, that's some truth to that, yeah. 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 And so the minute that I was working on myself and no longer needed that validation because I have a little bit of dad issues, of course, as you know. Yep. I just didn't I don't didn't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. For me, this is my personal journey and other people have their reasons of why right, they right. want to be an actor. And then I just bridged to painting and if it wasn't for acting, I would have never discovered that I could paint. Yeah, Danby's an amazing painter. If if you amazing, if you, people don't know. <laughs> um, do you have? Uh, we can do it at the end, or we can do it right now. Do you have a website we can where people can go see some of your stuff? Uh, yeah, on Instagram or my website, danvfam.com. Danvfam.com. D a n v y p h a m. Yes. Danvfam.com. Nice. Yeah, your stuff is really cool. In fact, you did a one of me years ago. I did. And I, uh, although I don't <laughs> love the way I look, I. <laughs> Was flattered by the by the uh, by the art. Um, it was really beautiful, and uh, you do art shows in L.A. Yes, we're having one on May 18th, Saturday, six to ten at downtown The Row, mm-hmm. and it's going to be called Summer Blues. We're going to do a group show with a bunch of great artists, nine awesome. of us, and there's some musical guests. Also, Golden Odin from. Uh, our close friend Amanda and Dane will okay. be there. Yep. Oh hell yeah! I'm wearing a ring made by Amanda. Is it gold? That what's it called? Golden yeah. Odin. Yeah. Golden I'm really Odin. Excited to um, have them. I commissioned a ring that I really love. Um, it's beautiful. And uh, Tim Donardo. Tim Donardo and Sabrina Lamille will that be another musical guest. Tim Donardo was oh, our very sick. first guest on the show. Yeah, Wonderful. he was. We yeah. loved him. Tim Donardo is the fucking man. Yeah, love that kid. So yeah. if anyone can make it, we'd love to have you. Where is it again? The Row downtown LA. And what date? May 18th, Saturday, 6 to 10. 6 to 10. I will be in Europe, and I will, but I will be there in yeah. spirit. I, I will try to make there. it. I think I'll be working, but I will try. But really, my message, the through line to all this, is really allowing yourself to be so open that the journey leads you to where you're supposed to be. I think that's I the agree. whole message those, of my life, I think. And those miracles yeah. are, in, in, in a lot of ways, also signs that you are doing the right things. Yeah. Um, we talked about this yesterday at dinner. Um, my ver- my view of, of, of a sign are very, no- from my perspective, I'm not as mystical as uh, you or my mom. Like, just not. It's just not as much of my style. I appreciate it. I understand it to some degree. Um, my signs, my miracles, if you will, 
uh, are those those things that you 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 choose a path, you enjoy it, and then something falls in front of you that makes choosing that path make sense, and you're like, oh, all right, I was right to do that. Well, it goes along with Michael Singer's book, The Untethered Soul. Has you anyone read that? that? Yeah, it's really great. He mm. talks about just if you allow yourself to be utterly present from day to day, moment to moment, yeah. the signs will come to you. Yeah. And I think that's how you, you, I think that's the most important thing is to stay in the present in order to benefit your future. Because if you're always, every day, every minute, thinking about the next thing or mm-hmm. like thinking about tomorrow or how do I get this thing done like in three days or, or writing like your own script or how it should be versus yeah how yeah yeah just now but be, just yeah. like taking the time to be pre- 1000 percent present in each individual moment or day by day things will just kind of align for my benefit and some of the listeners um we hear this phrase be present and it makes sense we all get it. that's great but can you tell some of us maybe myself and people listening what does that mean how do you get how do you how are you present what activities what choices well, do you have to make I studied with this woman when I was acting. She was 92. Studied from uh, Clark Gable's wife, Josephine Dillon. Wow. Was in acting class with Marilyn Monroe. Played the piano with Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I was blessed to study with her for four years before she passed away. Wow. And she taught me everything. Everything is connected to being present. Your breath, singing, moment to moment, taking pictures, everything. Because, th- for example, if you take a picture and you're not in your body, you're not breathing at the moment someone snaps the picture, you will see when you take look at that picture, you look uninteresting because you don't have a thought. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking anything. You're just like deer in a headlight. You've, mm-hmm. s- you've heard that saying, right? Deer of in course. a headlight. You're not interesting. It's the same concept in a film. If you want to watch an actor that's not thinking a thought or being present fully in that moment, he's not going to be captivating. The reason why Anthony Hopkins is captivating is because he's 100% Hannibal Lecter at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you see how presence is so, connected to everything? I had an acting coach, and we referenced it a couple of episodes ago, who used the term uh, all the time, live in a question mark. For a while, I didn't understand it, and then I think I understood it eventually. Is that living in a question mark being always be questioning questioning the, the moment you're in, never become that deer in a headlight, is that similar to being present? I would say not, because questioning means you have to use your brain. And that's in your head. I would see, say more being present is being completely where you are in that moment. So breathing, alive, feeling. It's, it's a total body thing, mm-hmm. not just a head Listening. thing. And perhaps it's not easy to really describe. And like it's, it's not an exercise you can just do. To maybe being present is different for different people. Because what I was saying, I didn't really get an answer to my question is what I'm asking. Like, I got breathing. But to someone who's never thought about being present before, they're listening right now, they're like, I want to be present. How do you tell someone for the first time, this is how you get to being present? Okay, find something that you do. And in that moment, whether it's playing with your dog, cooking food, painting a picture, or singing a song, what is it that you can do that will make you not think about anything else but that? Like, I'm sure when you're having an orgasm, you're really having an orgasm. You're so not going, oh, my grocery list. Hyper-focused is the same as presence? Uh, I think you're just not letting anything outside of the moment you're in distract you, where you're just you're just in that moment and just taking it in and not thinking about anything else at all. Surrendering like completely just, to what is. You're giving the, mo- the thing or person or whatever a thought, like, 100% of yourself. I mean, look at children. Listen why so hyper-focus. I mean, why do you think children have endless energy and adults are always tired? Because they're not thinking. I didn't know kids had endless energy. I thought they got tired. 
They don't think. Thinking makes you tired. That's why you don't. Isn't that why you take your kids to do stuff so they can tire themselves out and go to sleep at a regular hour? No, but I'm I'm saying on a a general day to day level because they're not abusing their brain. Like, what am I going to do next? What am I doing? So by over over, so the chatter drains your physical energy. It does. Okay. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of. I think being president or whatever. I, I mean. That's the biggest challenge in acting, so or the, or the biggest thing that actors get wrong is 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 listening. Yeah, I can't count how many scenes I've watched where I get so upset because all I can focus on is the person that's not talking and how they aren't listening to the person talking to. They're them. waiting to They're say their next. They're staring at next them, line. and and I literally can see them being like, and now it's my line. Yeah, that's not interesting. And it's that's not being present. Yeah. I think being present is you're not think like in those moments. There's no crew. There's no act. You're not in acting in a show. You're just listening. Like you said, the situations are fake, but you're reacting to them in a real way. Right. You're just listening to this person talk to you and tell you that they murdered their friend by accident. And you're not like, all right, I need to be like, it's just you're just taking that in as if someone's just saying that to you and just ha- reacting to it. I think it's you're you're just fo- yeah, hyper focused. Sure. But I, I mean, just wanted I wanted to illustrate for like. Often we say things as if everyone understands the definition, I and I wanted to really illustrate what what being present means because it I I struggle with it I I I, I, I think definitely we all struggle with it. yeah everybody um, I think um, so for the most part I'm pretty good at being present I think it makes me a good listener a good friend uh, good at my profession like all those things um, if you're not present and you're not aware and you're not letting those pieces of information come in you can't be good at any of those things. Um, now, if you're talking about the kind of presence that makes you open to the, hearing the universe telling you what you're supposed to do, that might be another level of presence. Well, that happened to me with painting mm. because I couldn't reach that state with acting, you know, because there's a lot of stuff in my childhood that blocked me. And so my teacher couldn't get me to come out all the time. She's like, you keep coming in and out. Yeah. And she's like, what else do you do for fun? And I'm like, I, I, I draw stuff. She's like, let me see it. So I showed it to her. She's like, that's it. Oh, yeah. Whatever it is you're doing, you're not thinking here. She's yeah. like, can you please go home and do more of it? And that's how I started painting. Right. Yeah, you do have a very unique and um, unadulterated style. Like it, it, I won't say as a pun it drips because it doesn't have a, some, some of them have sort of a, a, a falling style. Um, but it's, it's unavoidably um, organic and, um, I don't want to say hyper emotional, but you can't look at your work and not go, God damn, like Jesus Christ, like what the fuck is going on there? Like it, it reeks of emotion. And it's the only place that I can go to where I'm not thinking. And it took a little while to practice to get there, but now I just surrender when I'm mm-hmm. painting. And even if I make mistakes, I'm like, yes, thank you, mistake. And I just go with it. Right. And it's really liberating. Oh God, mistakes. We get more from those than we do the shit that goes well. God damn. And this is a place where I'm being and I'm allowing the source to come in and just guide me. Sometimes I'm not even like it just tells me what to do. That's a nice feeling. I can't say I've had a lot of those moments, but um but like those signs when it's you're like doing the right thing. Channeling, yeah. channeling and energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, which reminds me, uh you and I were talking a little bit about um the broken people. Tell me what you were talking about when you were saying most people are broken. Oh, so I dived into the world of conscious parenting and home birth mm-hmm. when I had my daughter. And I was so lucky to have a best friend that had a home birth before me. I didn't even know any of this. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a very Western medicine. Anytime I got sick, right. my mom would feed me antibiotics. 
Jesus. It's terrible. And so she really educated me, and I had Lorelai, and I met my healer, Peter Evans, and there, his wife, Lisa, is really big on home birth as well. And I just dived into all these books, and I was fascinated that from the moment of conception um, to age seven is your imprinting phase, and the child absorbs everything from the parents, the mom, like whatever the mom feels when she's pregnant, the trauma the child absorbs that. Mm-hmm. And if you have a traumatic birth, like let's say you break your mom's pelvis or you have a, like the doctor rips you out of her C-section, mm-hmm. that's trauma. That's considered trauma. Sure. And the reason why a child should be born in water is because it doesn't make the exit so traumatic. Right. The baby feels like it's still in the sack. There's a level of love and warmth. It's not so jarring like a fucking car accident. And so, I mean, there's statistics that say, like, if you had a traumatic birth or, you know, C-sections, you know, of course, I'm not, everyone has the birth they're supposed to have. This is not a knock on that. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, you know, you see people schedule a C-section and that's, you know, can be a little. I told you, I met a lady yesterday who was like, I'm giving birth at four o'clock. And I was like, what? Yeah, she, it was one thirty-four, and she was like, "Yeah, I'm go, I'm, I'm going into labor at four. I was like, "You're inducing at four? Like you're scheduling it?" She was like, "Yep." And I'm like, "What?" I, I was blown away. And that's tied into the whole documentary of Ricky Lake, the business of being born. You know, it's a business. Wait, Ricky and, Lake. Well, what nowadays mean? too, they have all this stuff where parents can even. I mean, if you're getting uh, eggs, you can get them. You can get like you can pretty much request things and pay for things now. That's I want fighting. a six foot three boy. Really, we're there. Hair. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yep. We are there. For sure. But I was telling you that when you have a C-section, the child doesn't get all the nutrients that it would from a vaginal birth. Mm -hmm. So you're missing a lot of immune system nutrients. Okay. I mean, you do what you have to do, but I'm saying if you can try to have some kind of holistic, peaceful birth, it really affects that child's adult life. Now, I'm going to jump to another topic um, and I don't want to derail but I'm curious and I don't want you to feel like you have to give some elaborate answer but I'm curious <laughs> the build up <laughs> well it's a hot button topic okay. you always and have to build up though yeah I, I want to know because I trust you and you're a smart woman and I respect your opinions um, what is your synopsis take on um, um, the the cocktail of you give a kid what do you, I'm losing the word um when they're when they're a baby, you give them the cocktail of the vaccine. Yeah, thank you. I have not vaccinated Lorelai ever. Okay. And yeah. Okay. It's um, a touchy subject. I don't really advertise. That's that. why I brought. I wanted to know. I um, mean, I went ultra hippie. Right? I mean, I ate my own placenta. Mm-hmm. Placenta shake. Wow. Okay, that's pretty fucking hip. <laughs> Whoa. And my baby daddy is totally not hippie, and he still did it. Wow. And he made it for me. Bless his heart. Jesus. So for seven days, he put a cube of raw placenta in a shake, and I drank Oh, it. you wouldn't taste it. It was I, in a shake. Yeah. Okay, okay. But I thought I it was like li- all of it into one shake no, that was like, like placenta flavored. Oh, God. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by... Raw eating <laughs> placenta. placenta. Now Whoa. in the dairy Whoa. section. Um, no, but I promise you... I was like up and about walking around like I was normal mm-hmm. because I really believe I this really gave me all my energy back. Right. And I went ultra hippie. I did a 40-day uh, not leaving the house thing. It's believed in Kundalini Yoga that you're not supposed to introduce the baby or leave the house for 40 days. Whoa. Like you're supposed to stay insulated because the baby's so young. Like the auric 
prana has not been developed. Mm-hmm. It needs to be close to the mom. No new energy is supposed to be introduced. So baby daddy and I literally were locked in our apartment for 40 days. Food delivered, everything. My mom didn't even get to meet my baby. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Now, just so we understand this very... It's a personal choice. Well, that's yes, what I'm, that's can, what I'm you going... You read on it. Online, that's where I'm going yes. with this. Just so we understand this very specific choice, um, why did you say no vaccines? We debated this very sure. much with Baby Daddy, who's very Western. Mm-hmm. Just because I've read some books and, you know, talked to friends, and I just, I just don't want... There's a lot of mercury in vaccines mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff that I feel like... I'm eventually going to vaccinate Lorelai. I just think they should be spread out at different age. Like the That's great. You know. Yeah, why some not? Some of the stuff like does not even come in till uh, till maybe middle school that she needs it right. and some people get just give it to the baby. And are you are you uh, a la carding them like you're doing certain ones not the like 134 at once like I haven't done any, but before she goes to kindergarten I think I'm going to give her maybe the cough one. There's a cough one for Cough? Yeah. What is that? Like, um, it's like a high grade flu. Like okay. Whoop, whooping cough. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when that time comes, you might do a couple other ones too, right? Ones that make sense if they do. I'm open to it. Just okay. it has to be spread out, mm-hmm. and the baby has to be not a baby. I mean, it's so little. It's true. Why would I inject? This I don't is... even vaccinate my animals. Right. Well, this is one of my my positions where I'm again the voice of dissent, and and I want to look at the nuanced movements, not just good or bad, yes or no, all or all or nothing. Um, why why is this? Why is the debate? Either you get all 134 inoculations at once. Or you don't, you're either smart or you're crazy. Like, isn't there some middle ground where some of them are good, spread them out a little more time? Maybe some of them are are the right thing to do, and other ones are in there for money. Like with a sure. co- like, can't we look at this as a like a fucking adult? And that's of- how we approached it. We yeah, you know, did our research and asked, and you know, I'm I'm happy with this our decision. You know, I don't think there's a wrong or right. It's a personal parenting right. choice, yeah. just like home birth is. There are. You know? There are people who do nothing and, you know, pray to Jesus to heal their kid, and that's, like, really fucking sad. And then there's people who don't think, and they just do what the doctor says. And, again, I don't have kids. I don't have all the answers. I've watched and read a few different things. And there is one interview I listened to, I watched, with two parents who were not crazy, and they weren't weird, and they weren't there for money, and they weren't trying to, like, demonize anything, but they were like, we had healthy ki- children. We did this cocktail of vaccinations, and now we have three kids with with um, oh. with these syndromes, like that oh. are never gonna they're gonna need care for the rest of their lives. And you, I mean, mm-hmm. now it could be a situation where that particular time yeah. at place that was a dose that had fermented or had, had gone well, bad. Maybe the child can't. The child specifically, yeah. that one child can't handle all that. Yeah. All three of their kids. Yeah, it's a genetic thing, maybe. And maybe it was contaminated sample, whatever yeah. the reason. But that doesn't mean that that makes it okay. Like sometimes things are contaminated, mm-hmm. or they're or the the company sold a batch that wasn't right, or who know the the things that have to. The, it's like eating a bad muscle, right? The political movements that have to go into that many vaccinations being in every hospital, like the 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 red tape is would be mind blowing. I don't. I mean, there you've got to look at all the move. It's so much people don't have the ability or the desire to break that shit down. They're like, did the doctor say yes? Okay, fine. 
it's tragic. Well, you know, I just come from a philosophy that I grew up being told everything, like brainwashed. Yeah. So it's just important for me, like, whatever you decide, like, learn about it. Don't right. just do it because a doctor tells you to. Right. Like, exactly. find out for yourself. There's so many people that, that do that. that yeah. yeah, and we're also from a society where here it's like, people would watch something on TV and it's so harsh. Like, if you don't vaccinate your child, they will die. It's like, yeah. I mean, what are the so chances harsh? of you getting polio? Let's be honest. Exactly. If you do but the percentage on it, it's like, so small and you right. live in America. I mean, I understand if you went to it. But a then when you country. have like sure. Nancy in middle America who just had a baby who sees that ad or sure. sees something, they don't have the sources or before internet, no one, they didn't have the sources to like, you know, look up their own information. Yeah. And they just believe they just they're a frantic, you know, scared mother, which I can I can see that they'll be like, oh, my God, I don't want my kid getting polio. This is a thing. And they'll go and just get it because it's like and that's something I want to make. I also sold pharmaceutical sales. Disclaimer. True. Right. I know what goes on. Exactly. Sure. (laughs) You have a you have a back. You have a something some this distinction that I don't think people people make clear enough that I want to make doctors. I want to make really clear. Whether you are pro-vaccinations and you give your kids every single one or you are a straight up fucking all the way to the other side anti-vaxxer and you will never consider it, those both those people are making those choices because they love their kid. Yeah. yeah. There's no evil or no. stupid no. like uh, there are some example exceptions, sure, but those people want they for want sure. the best for their children. And that that's the, the it's sad um, on both ends. Everyone's allowed a journey. And a choice. It just sucks when it's like, you're either for this or against. Like, hey, guys, fucking relax. And we talk about it for a minute. Yeah. Fucking makes me so angry. Either way. Um, cool. I definitely wanted to cover that. Um, oh, you didn't finish the broken person thing. What you had told me oh, was so the, that. The imprint. Okay. So yeah. imprinting is very important. Uh, from age zero to three, the child really needs the mother. It's like a nurturing bond that's required. And from age three to seven, the child really needs the father. It doesn't mean that you have to be together. It's more of an emotional thing. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have those things, you have a little bit of a kind of a disconnected emotional human being that needs to refuse later in life. You need to refuse what? Like fuse themselves oh, back together. Oh, refuse. Sorry, I heard refuse. Don't refuse it. Um, so how does someone refuse? I think it's therapy. Uh, emotional awareness, presence, uh, presence, understanding the patterns. Yoga. We repeat what we know, right? You only can love the way your parents loved you. And I think the journey, the spiritual journey is really breaking that pattern. Are you sure that's true? You can it, only love the way your parents love you? I that's mean, all you know. Think about it. Well, some people are naturally loving outside of situations where they're abused. Um I get it, but yeah. you will see traces of behavior where it's you're mimicking your parents. Sure. Or, oh, that of course, yeah. yeah. And I think the whole journey to adulthood is separating yourself from your parents and growing into your own person. Mm-hmm. But that requires like a level of self-reflection. Sure. Have you seen the movie, uh, the documentary, Three Identical Strangers? Yes, the three boys. That's crazy. How wild is that? Have you seen I have it. He told me about it. Yeah, yeah. It's on Prime. It. Is yes. that where you saw it? Yeah, it's great. I'll watch yeah. it while you're in. Yeah. in uh, and Poland. then there's a whole book called The Conscious Parent. It's great, uh, by a woman named Sheila Sabari. Talks about all that, how to raise, you know, a conscious child, emotionally aware child. I guess that's the that's the trick. That's the goal. Yeah, I think right. I'm all about procreating in a mindful way. You know, yeah. because I think there's a lot of broken, aimless humans walking around because they were just. 
popped out and then nobody really takes care of them emotionally. Mm. Well, we mentioned that last Myself. night. Myself. Like, it took me all these years to refuse myself back together right so i'm just speaking of this based on personal experience mm -hmm. well it, it came up last night in conversation and it's the idiocracy it doesn't mean my parents don't love me they just weren't very conscious they didn't have the tools no they were from a different time a different group they were yeah. fucking rich Vietnam. it's so crazy um uh if if you're listening and i just referenced idiocracy it, the premise of idiocracy if you haven't seen it uh, it's about a 15 year old comedy uh, mike judge fucking mike judge man um where people the planet, 500 years in the future, more people who were shitty parents who don't give a shit about um, why they have children or how many they have just spit out tons of kids. And the more conscious people were like really being precise about when they had and how many they had and end up having sometimes none. And then, you know, 500 years down the road, the planet is riddled with, with idiots uh, instead of people who are present and conscious. And it's a comedy. It's a farce. You got to see it. But the premise is what's happening in our world. Well, Bill Burr does a whole stand-up on that. <laughs> oh, really? Which, wait, what, what, give me one of it, because he's my favorite. I'm terrible, but Cooper. Uh, I, I can't reference it. We have to, How do I, I not know this one? I need to send it to you. How have I not? breeding a bunch of people. Maybe I do know it, I just don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did not need to produce more. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. He's, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. he's great on that topic. It's, it's so, so good. He's yeah. the best. No, he's the best. He's so funny. Bill Burr's the best. Here's, I mean, I don't want to go on a fucking Bill Burr tangent, but no, don't, my we favorite. Have to wrap it up soon. We do, but yeah. my favorite part, not that Bill Burr is just funny, but that he is brutal Honest. about the. Like the corrupt world around us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I won't bring up politics in this episode because it's too pure with our beautiful Danby. But he's not fooled by our political system the way so many people are. I just want to add that little mm -hmm. note. Do you guys like Ali Wong? I, oh, the I didn't yeah, see her special, I, but I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I want to watch it this week. Yeah, I, I liked some of her stuff. I saw her <laughs> live before her special came out. She had just had her baby. And she came out and did stand up. She was like, "Did you see the Baby Cobra on Netflix?" Yeah, so I saw. I saw some of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like very raunchy Asian. Woman. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I meant to see it. I, I forgot about it because I watched so I many. I can only do things. her in doses. Okay, got it. Sometimes it's very like loud and. <laughs> Dude, I do. She's funny though. I do everything in doses. Yeah. I don't watch anything all the way through. Um, I want to before we. I know we have to go. Um, I want you to finish with one thing we touched on, but I think is really important to this overall Danvy view of the world because you do have it. You're a little more progressive than most people. You don't have all the answers, I know, but um, you touched on it when you said in your original story where you were dating um, this guy who you moved to New York with, and you were like, I met this other dude and I have to be with him. You were honest. You went on a date with someone else while with someone. He ended up being okay with it. Does any of that still occur in your life? Does it, did that develop in any ways that you... I mean, this is, could be really interesting if, if I true. I mean, definitely. Uh, we live kind of in a weird little tribe setting. Uh, we? Who's we? Uh, my ex-boyfriend and I. Mm -hmm. You know, when I met him, I was separating from baby daddy. Right. And I met him at the matcha place on Abikini. Hilarious. <laughs> on my lunch break. <laughs> <laughs> and the first two things he said to me was, uh, I live next door to my wife, and we co-parent, and we have an open relationship. I'm like, you're interesting. Next door to my current wife? And it was always my dream with my baby daddy that we wanted to be Tim Burton and Helena Bottom Carter because they own two brownstones in London side by side and they share children. It's wow. genius. I was like, it's genius for artists, right? You have your own space. Yeah, yeah. And so when he said that, this is about being present, I was like, that's a clue. Universe clue. Like, how many people in LA do this side by side compound? So we went on a date that evening, and he became my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And I would, they were open, separated, 
and kind of not separated. And every morning that I would sleep over, I'd have breakfast with his wife next door with the kids. And that was our relationship. Very progressive. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, she eventually had her own partner. And then all of us moved into our own house. No longer side-by-side compound. But we still existed in this format of kind of being a little bit of a tribe Mm -hmm. uh, and all supportive of each other having separate families but also have family meals and, Mm -hmm. you know, not polyamorous or anything, but... But not vindictive and jealous and conniving and secretly like mad, like none of that stuff. No, it's so much so that cut to two and a half years later, we go on a big family tribe trip and the four parents go to Florence, Italy. And my boyfriend and I were returning our bikes. He's like, let's go get a coffee. So we go into the Florence Mercato Sagrado in Florence and we order it's not Mercado Sagrado. I just named like a total Malibu. It sounds really, be- really beautiful though. Okay, Mercado Central. Excuse okay, okay. me. Uh, so Good we crack. go in there. Yeah, yeah. He orders me a coffee and this gentleman turns around. Literally cosmic connection. It was magnetic. Mm-hmm. So we ran out and he's like, I think you're like just really, I saw that. What was that? I'm going to run in and take a picture for you. So bless his heart. He runs in. Your boyfriend. Yeah, takes a picture of this gentleman for me. I go home. And then we devise a plot for all of us to go back in uh, a week later. Oh, you worked there. You knew just by meeting him and getting a coffee that this all was necessary. It was done. That's insane. I love it. So what happened? So you... So we went back. We were in the countryside. We went back. We dragged the kids, the nannies, the mannies, just to meet this guy. (laughs) Because my boyfriend was like, let's just make sure before we go back to the U.S., you know? Yeah. So we go, we meet him, like, same feeling. So I get home, and I Facebook him, and I said, look, I don't mean to sound like a crazy person, but did you feel that? That was super cosmic. And he's like, I felt that too. Wow. So I was like, let's hold. Let me go home and negotiate with my boyfriend, see how I can meet you. Mm-hmm. So I negotiated. My boyfriend let me go on an eight-day trip to meet this person because I felt like if I wasn't allowed to, I would have done it anyways. I would have made it happen. Right. It wasn't really allowing, so he agreed to it. I mean, we have kids. We share kids. Right. You yeah. use that word out of respect, but I'm just making a distinction. Like, yeah, you yeah, would do yeah. what you fucking want if he said no. Well, we'd have to go through the procedures of breaking up, moving out. You know, it's sure. a polite thing <laughs> yeah. But you do. do what you, you're yeah. going to do what you want. Yeah, I said, I'm going to do it eventually. Can we just do it in a very progressive way? Without so ruining it. he let me go, and I mean... You know, to yeah. be continued the saga, but no, that's enough. I just wanted how, to. I wanted how was to. The trip? Yeah, uh, epic. So yeah. now it's progressed into something even more lovely. We are, of course, are friends now. I live down the street. Mm-hmm. We're still family. My boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, he has a new girlfriend, and the three of us get along really great. We hang out all the time, and the three of us are going back to Florence to see this gentleman in July. Wow, amazing! So to be continued. Wow, it's insane. Um. I don't know. <laughs> well, no, no. That particular way that you live is very rare. It is not common. And here's another distinction I want to make because there's people out there who are listening who are like, that makes sense to me. I get that. And it's not weird. It's fine. But some of the situations, Helena Bonham Carter, Helena Bonham Carter and, and um, Tim, Burton. Tim Burton living side by side brownstones. You and your ex-boyfriend at the time, he and his ex, uh, wife, ex-wife, living next to each other. That takes means. Like, these lifestyles are not available to everyone. Most people cannot afford that. That's not an option. Well, I'm not saying it it's because of... I think it takes, most importantly, of, like, a level of 
maturity and communication. You can do it without two houses. What I'm yeah. saying is in these particular anecdotal representations of this kind of lifestyle, it sometimes money makes these things much more doable. Um, I just want to add that, not taking away from it, but I want to throw in that little observation like, oh, sometimes money can make your emotional life be uh, more manageable. Yeah, and my boyfriend's ex-boyfriend taught me a word that's really great. It's called compersion. Oh, yeah. Great word. Yeah, yeah be really finding joy from your lover's joy. Yeah. Yeah. And I really I really feel like we practice that. Yeah. That's a good thing to practice. Hey, man, if you can... Uh, I am not the most uh, progressive sexual person. Like, I'm pretty... <laughs> I'm a little stick in the mud. Like, I'm old school, very simple. Um, the thought of being able to do that in a healthy way is mind-blowing. It yeah. really does seem like an amazing thing. Um, I think one day I'll get there, but that's not my journey's much It doesn't different. mean I don't believe in true love, monogamy. Or I didn't not. think you it's did. Just, no, I don't think that's just at all. It's rolling with it. Yeah. You know? Dude, not having confining rules about sex and love is so much more real. It's so much more real about love. Love doesn't have those kind of confined, yeah. rigid, fucking structured rules. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It's not, And it's not always about sex. Like It's much more than that. Um, it's just it's just really enlightening to not only have a friend but someone who's comfortable sharing that and not like it's a secret like it's not a secret it's just normal and it makes sense. I just feel so lucky coming from a family that was so rigid and told me what to do every minute to now finding my people where I'm allowed to really be me. You can like break away from that. Yeah, yeah and not. I really love like I met someone I really feel such a strong feeling for. Can I see that? Because my soul needs to know. Right. Yes, I love you so much, girlfriend, that I'll right. let you do that. Yeah. Letting, I mean, at the end of the day, letting someone go is a sign of love. Like, letting yeah. go do that thing that they want to do, even if it doesn't fucking involve you. That's love. It's really powerful. Yeah, yeah of mm -hmm. course. Letting that bird go. See if it comes back. If it doesn't, it was meant to be. Love that old thing. Thanks for, yeah. yeah, thank you so much, Danby. That was an Thanks, epic, guys. epic episode. That was so much fun. It was, and you know yeah, what? It usually Aww. is better than you think it's going to be, and it truly was better than yeah. I thought it was going to be. Guys. Yeah, thank you, you so covered much. all the stuff. I love, stuff. I love it. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to have you come on back on next time. It makes sense. New project, new thing, new stories. After July. <laughs> yeah, probably way oh, down yeah, the line. Oh, yeah, to be saga saga. Right? Oh, my God, that's right. Round two. Awesome. Okay, guys, thanks for tuning in. Thank you Thank you, Danby. We will see you next week. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye.